five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and a very more welcome to Five in the Eye, the show that has set up its own super league of news reviews and placed ourselves right at the top. I'm Michael Ohijuru in London, and you're listening, of course, to Global Radio. This is episode 0302, or 302 in English. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael by Zoom this week and revealing that we will indeed be discussing the ill-fated attempt by six large British football clubs to break away from the Champions League. Uh, The plan collapsed within days, but revealed a great deal about the modern game. We have a special guest joining us to discuss the issue. Live in the eye. And for our second story this week, we ask whether musical artists can get the financial support they deserve from the big streaming services some big names in the industry have spoken out against the current system what's story number three it's the make-believe towns in china that are dressed up to look like european cities tourists are apparently not impressed while for story number four it's the heartwarming story of a five-year-old kid who's curating an art exhibition you're beating an art exhibition at five. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You, missed, you missed out there, Michael. And finally this week, to round off the five, we talk about the dad who named his newborn child after his employer. And if I had another kid, I'd call him Colourful Radio Enduro. I like that. CRO. <laughs> Colourful Radio. There's a certain resonance to that. I like that. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We're going to kick off the show this week with an extraordinary story. Again, it started on Sunday night. That that uh, six six of Liverpool, I mean Liverpool, I mean, England's top fo- football teams. We're going to get together with a number of teams in Europe. No French or uh, German teams, none of the top French or German teams, but the top uh, Spanish teams were in there, along with Britain, to form a Super League, a kind of a Wednesday special league. What was what was interesting about this league? There was no re- relegation. It was these this, these ten teams. They were all all literally mates together. And it was just, it shocked everybody. Well, it shocked me that they can do it in the face of the fans. And it, it literally went viral. And the thing that shocked me most was politicians were involved. It was in 24 hours. There was no, it was just instantly, Johnson knew that this was important. And as I, said, I was shocked to see how fast it went. And it went even, what was it, Prince William? Is it Prince? I forget. Is it Prince William? I always get yeah. confused. Prince William is the one who's going to be king. He was he was against it. And guess what? A couple of days later, it's all over. The six English teams are withdrawing. They're apologising, and it, it was billed as a fans' victory. But Anthony, listening when I listened to um, Barnsley, John Barnes, I listened to. He said it wasn't a fans' victory, but equally, Righty, Righty said it was a fans' victory. We'll come on to what Wrighty said, but look, Michael. Perhaps you better introduce Anthony to our listeners first. I'm I'm about to. Well, I had to get my uh, my nephew, my nephew. I I call him Ant Anthony, but he was Ant when I knew a little boy. He's a big football fan, a huge fan of Liverpool. But he's a fan of the game. He coaches at various levels, and he plays the game. And right now, he's he's a a referee, part-time referee. So he's got a a lot of a lot a lot in the game. And he was, I thought I had to get him on the show and say. Look, literally, Anthony, what do you think happened? Was it fan- was it a victory for the fans? It was an outrage. I don't think it's a victory for the fans at all. This is an absolute outrage is what's happened. I don't know where to start, really, but we're going to have a discussion. So I'll, I'll throw this into discussion. 
right into the centre of the discussion, actually. You've got to remember that the, 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 these six owners of British clubs, I'm going to deal with Fenway themselves, but these six owners have treated these clubs like they were commodities, like they were cash cows, yeah? One thing they did not, they did not count for was the feeling amongst the fans. However, it goes deeper than that. Because what they did not realise and what they couldn't counteract and what they cannot counteract is because the fans have now been in a situation where these owners have sold them out and you can't unsee that. Mm. It goes much deeper than that now. Let's look at the playing staff. We've got to ask ourselves, these rich owners have brought us for Liverpool, Marnie, Salah, Edison, Thiago, Fabinho. Do, do we want that or would we rather have a Steven Gerrard or a oh, Carragher? Because I'd be, I'd be, that's how deep the situation and this conversation has got to go wow. in order to have any meaning. Wow. But let, let, let me throw that in for, for, for round one. Couldn't we say, Anthony, look, the, the, the kind of you know mentality you've been talking about, the cash cow, the milking it for the money, and didn't this all really start back in the early 90s with the Premier League. And, you know, yeah. I, I, you could argue now the fans are already being ripped off for their tickets. They're being ripped off for all the merchandise and the shirts. And, the, and it's being milked to the nth degree, isn't it? I mean, the, the Super League, in a sense, is just a progression on from where we already are. Yeah, it's it's like getting washed and dry clean. It's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. And, 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 and I'm concerned here. When you say the players, Salah... But these people that they bring in, don't they have a bit of the club in them? You know, the kissing the shirt, the badge and all that. Do you believe they haven't got that, that Stephen Gerrard had? They can't have that. I'd raise this and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say this. There are some players that have come into the British game and settled into British society and, 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 and done well. However... If you ask most of those Brazilian players, even the players that have settled in to Liverpool at the moment in time, their dream is to play for Real Madrid. Their dream is to play for Real Madrid. So while we're their adopted club, we know that really most, most of the continental players want to play on the continent for your, either Barcelona or Real Madrid. The only reason why a lot of these players come to the Premiership it's because of cash. The money. Because of the money. And that's why I said in the opening round that we've got to ask ourselves in British football now, would we rather have Lampards and John Terry, Stephen Gerrards in the masses, or are we going to continue to have unscrupulous characters running the club? But, but I mean, isn't, isn't it, again, I would say, you know, the days when homegrown talent was the norm, you know, they've got, I mean, if you look at someone like Tottenham, you know, you've got for, for every Harry Kane, that there is going to, there are going to be a handful of players, aren't there, who've come from overseas. You could say they're a big draw and uh, they add to the excitement of the game. We're bringing in a rich array of talent. Um, don't people want to see the best players? Well, at what cost? At what cost? I, I, I get your point. I, 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 I think they've actually sold their soul now. There's no way back now. Because they, they, they argue they argue football is an international game. 
people in Singapore, in Sydney, they want to see Tottenham, Tottenham play Liverpool or Barcelona play Real Madrid. They want to see the big game. Well, they think they are the big games. But you said there's something else going on there. There's fans, there's, there's Liverpool exactly. fans who generations of support to, these clubs. If you speak to generations of Manchester United and Liverpool supporters, yeah, we would much rather see some of our homegrown talent that are born and bred in our city representing our city as far as our football teams are concerned. And in a way, with these big money men coming in, it may be a good thing because we might have finally hit that button where people want to start saying, look, this pyramid's wrong. We, not, we need to start focusing in on localities and on teams like Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United, Arsenal, being representative of the people and the young people of Arsenal, Liverpool and Manchester United. And that's how we're going to start growing the game again. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe this this thing's going to lead to these big owners realising that it's not a cash cow, withdrawing the money, and then we start again. Only we start again based on representation. Do, and do where you, you come do, from. Do, Sorry? Just about the Super League, because there is this argument, isn't there? It was a negotiating ploy. Uh, these big clubs, they want to they, they want to get more money uh, out of UEFA, and they want that the, you know they they look at you you know the 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 owners of Real Madrid are kind of pleading poverty, aren't they? Oh, we're we're in a terrible situation. They have got their begging bowl out, and I'm thinking, is this is this for real? Um, I, you know, but they're, they're looking for any ways they can, aren't they, to to screw more money out of the system? So was this a negotiating ploy? Was it a tactic? I mean, they came up with some weird looking logo and stuck out a press release, you know. It was definitely a smokescreen for that. It was definitely a smokescreen for that little bit of leverage within Europe. But what he didn't realise and what he fully couldn't cope with was the fact that it was universal fans that did it. Mm. He didn't realise that every single club, he thought there might be a dividing rule, Mm. which will be left, because I don't believe that the other 14, the other clubs in the in the Premiership are going to forget this. Mm. I think this is going to go on and on and on and on until we get rid of the owners. And that's why I say this might be the beginning of the end. But the end might be the beginning of a new beginning where we're getting teams that are representative of the people of that area. So, Can I, can I just finish Michael, on one of the points? do you think there should be... Do you, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, I was going to ask you, Michael, do you, do, you, do you... I was going to ask you a question, Michael. Do you think there should be punishment for these teams that threaten to break break away. What, no, what, what no, do you no, feel about no, that? No, no, no point, no point. If the, 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 it's been noted, move on. We've got to try and bring the game together. We're going to go into a political mode, mode now. There's one, we want football to win. Football has to win here. It does. The only way football wins in this is if we get rid of those people that are prepared to sell the average man out of football. That's mm. the only way this but isn't that, a victory. That, this that, isn't that, a victory. This is happen. people waking up and realizing what's going actually mm. on. The no, no, modern day it, man it, now has realized he's not ignorant anymore. He's realizing what's going on behind his back or above his head. He's realized now, and there's no turning back. Once realization's happened, there's no turning back. You can't unknow what you know. Uh, you raise a good point, there, Anthony. I just want to finish off on one other point. This is something that Wright, Ian Wright made. He talked about, he thought it was good. And he, he even Mike talked about a, a victory for the fans. So, okay, we, we could challenge him, get real. Get, well, we, we would say get real. But no, no, 
he was sincere as ever right he was sincere and talking from his heart he said imagine if we could do do that for racism that quickly if collectively we could all come together and say enough of this enough of this and you know it, it, it got me thinking are they real are they serious about wanting to kick it out of sports or is it just paying lip service? Because they can see what we, look when they do come together, when they act, from the prime minister to the to the future king of England, they were all uh, as one, ready to change the law, ready to do whatever was necessary, whatever was necessary. So you know, it it, it kind of puts that kick it kick 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 race kick it out, kind of puts that into perspective for me, and I'm, I'm and I'm and I'm with right in that respect. It really, it really does, because I've got to tell you, the first time I heard any sentiments like of that comment that you've just made was from Patrick Bamford from Leeds after the Leeds game, who said nearly exactly the same words live on um, on the on on, on Sky uh, yesterday, and you've got to remember with racism and with racist people, a lot of them are still in self denial. A lot of them still are in self-denial and a lot of them are going to pay a lip service to this and stay in self-denial so the situation will always persist. And you you say self-denial, you say, I'm not a racist. Some of my best friends are black and that kind of thing. That's the one. I guess now you've got a job now, Anthony. You're now our football correspondent. You're the five in the eye football correspondent. So we'll be bringing you in. Next time, there's a hot football story. In the meantime, I want to thank you for your time. Oh, as again, lovely to have something to say, somewhere to say it. Call me when you can. Speak to me soon. Phil, absolute pleasure speaking to you too. Good to see you, Anthony. Cheers. Live in the eye. Well, for story number two this week, uh, we're going to talk about the way that musical artists are remunerated for um, the work that they're writers and anyone involved in the musical process who who relies on royalties. And this is in the news because artists like Chris Martin, Kate Bush, Paul McCartney have signed a letter to the Prime Minister asking for changes to the economic model uh, around streaming. Um, The 1988 Copyright Act um, is um, what governs royalty payments and um, they want changes made so that artists get remunerated from places like Spotify in a way that's a little bit more akin to when you get radio plays. Because at the moment, people are getting a pittance, aren't they, Michael, out of um, the stuff that gets streamed. And it just makes it almost not viable to kind of launch a career as a song songwriter or a singer. Well, it, for me, it's outrageous, the pittance that they do get paid from streaming. And musicians have had a terrible year because they were they were making their money from live performances. What's happened in the last year? That that revenue is gone. So the, many of them have gone back to I was going to say to proper jobs. No, that, that, that's me being disrespectful. They've gone back to jobs which don't involve music. So and we know that that's one of our most successful exports. Our music, it's our our soft power because we're good at it. Coldplay, the Beatles, the you know, the m- many many names around the world we we become internationally famous. So we're stifling our, our the industry by cutting off a, a valuable a valuable revenue stream when 
all it takes is apparently they talk about just take, change one 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 or two words in the act to bring that revenue stream in because you talked about radio Phil radio someday was was literally back in the day they were getting money from radio and making a living but now the radio is not the way not the future the future is streaming so it just seems remiss that the government isn't doing something about it. I'm, I'm not we, we must make clear, Michael, that colourful, colourful radio, of course, is an exception to that. Where that that is very much the way. But yeah, radio, radio generally might not be the vehicle that musical artists would turn to straight away. They're going to be looking to have their stuff streamed. They're going to be looking to run YouTube channels and so on to get themselves known. I mean, strangely, isn't there a parallel here to our first story about? the Super yeah. League, because yeah. we're talking about very, very big corporate interests. Companies like Apple and Spotify and the mm. dominance they have over, over the marketplace in just the same way that people like Google and Facebook have a dominance over advertising on the internet. And we've got to the stage now where a lot of these companies are almost, you know, they seem too big to challenge um, and their model is all built around um, everybody getting a tiny, tiny slice of, uh, of the action while they rake in enormous profits. No, and, and the, the people who produce the way, this is why it seems so, so not right. The fact that the people who make it, the, 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 way, the creators, without them, none of this would happen. They get the least. So you've got these, these record companies and now essentially they're marketing machines. Literally big corporates, you know, in the big, in the in the the, the uh, mansion. I don't say their mansion. I was in the in their high-rise, multi-story offices, administering funds that that other that, that that are generated from from people who've done the work, whose creativity, whose creativity created the um those remedy fields, but don't get a just deserve. And I think. You know, I've, it's something I've always felt as wrong. It's not good for the country, and particularly after this, as you say, this year where they haven't earned any money. We need to put some money back in. You said the government, they, they had this a fund now that they, they, they're supporting the arts. But rather than support the arts, why don't they get, let the arts get the money that, 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 the money that, that's due to them? And it only seems right, because at the same time, you know, they're talking about taxing, taxing international companies who, are, who move their business around the world or their tax position around the world. Why can't we look at an equally dire situation with, with our, our ongoing artists, which are an important part of our future, important part of an economic future? So I think the government are, are remiss in. And I would hope that they could act as promptly as they did for the um, for that Super League nonsense mm, and say, mm. we've got to do something here because COVID has compounded the situation. I mean, it's good to see some of the like top draw names, you know, the likes of Chris Martin and Paul McCartney, people who've made loads of money through music over, over time kind of sticking up for people who um are up and coming who have don't have that kind of security um there's something quite heartening about that isn't there very much so a really inclusive list it's not just the um the elites at the top but the but the all the the musician union it, it, i sort of figure out that there's ten thousand or so musicians were involved in, okay only 150 signed that but there was they, they, they represented some almost ten thousand musicians are, are, are across the country. This is a very mm. this is as I say, Phil, this is something Britain excels at. We're a very creative. Well, I am. No, no, we are a very creative country. We produce we, we produce some some great creative minds, yeah, particularly in music. And it just seems remiss 
the government not not to let not, not to fund that properly well i think you know we 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 value we, we value this culture um, as consumers. We want to be able to stream the music, but we also like to think that the people who've made the music get proper recompense for it. And if, of course, they can't make a living out of it, well, we're all the poorer for it, aren't we? So, yeah, uh, pull your finger out, Boris Johnson, and get this one sorted. Five in the eye. Story number three is a really strange story. It's a story of Europe... In China, they've built, and I couldn't believe the figure, almost 1,600 replicas of German towns, London or Thames towns, centre of Paris's. They've reproduced Europe in minute detail across 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 China. When you look at you know, when I first looked at it, I was I was reminded of um, Las Vegas. When in Las Vegas they build these things, but you can tell there's a bit there's a bit of plasticness about Las Vegas, but here this is authentic. These are real solid, you know. This isn't this isn't plastic. These are stone, and they've imported some of you know, the, the, the the finest architects to reproduce these. these well, I mean, these, the, 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 there's there's some there's a place called Thames Town in the article we were reading on Euronews. Place called Thames Town in Shanghai, and I look at it, it looks like Kingston. Uh, near where I live in southwest London. I mean, they they re- they replicated something that is really exactly. quite authentic, or quite authentic, haven't they? Complete with with statues of Winston Churchill, Shakespeare, and okay, I'm, I'm going to wear two hats. This is nonsense. This is China. What's going on here? But at the same time, this was the government, the government, and this is what the government thought this was a good idea. We used to I mean, back- why did they think it was a good idea? I mean, I- is it is it the that they thought, well, um, if people go and spend uh, their their money, you know, in the real Paris or the real Amsterdam, that's money that could be spent in China. And it, you know, if you went to the fake Paris, uh, that that that's money staying within the Chinese economy. Do they really think that people will fall for that one? I, to be honest, I, I've, I read, I've read I've read around this, and I can't find a real reason why they did it. There's no there's no, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason. I'm just reminded of something back in the day. I used to work for um, a company that took many of its um, employees from the army, the ex-military people, in, in what they did. And we used to have a thing called a SOGI, a C-O-G-I. And this is an, it's an army, a military expression, I'm told. And it's called a senior officer's good idea. In the sense there's... It's totally nonsense, stupid. But having said that, if the boss says it or the senior officer says it, then what a great idea, sir. But the money yes, that the it. money so that must have been ploughed into exactly. this stuff though is extraordinary. Billions. And and, and the kind of re- the reason the reason we we've kind of highlighted the the, the story that 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 the, and it's come to our attention is because actually people are not flocking to these places, are they, Michael? And so are we going to be are we going to be left with a lot of ghost towns that look a bit like old Amsterdam? But they are. They are ghost towns. They're empty. And, you know, what, and one of the reasons they said they're empty. And I, and I like this is because they, 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 they were talking about they, they emulated a Spanish town, some Spanish town and they, or, or Amsterdam, central Amsterdam. And they were saying in China, they have no um, there's no culture of, of drinking from pub to pub. In the sense, you know, you go on a, a, a pub crawl. Mm. You know, they, they prefer to sit in one place and eat food and shout at each other and drink. 
rather than moving about. Whereas, as, whereas if you were going around Liverpool, you'd taken at least 18 establishments, wouldn't you, on an, <laughs> of an evening, Michael? At least yeah. 18 establishments. No, exactly. You want to move about. And that mobility that comes from European eating, or drinking rather, it, it, just, it doesn't work. Can I get, just, just as an aside, you know that, of course, um, Shanghai, the, the waterfront in Shanghai, was is is a kind of pretty much exact replica of Liverpool, isn't it? And it's but it was done back in the nineteenth century. They copied Liverpool in Shanghai even back in the nineteenth century. So maybe there's a very long tradition of this of this kind of idea of emulating other other cultures. There may be something in that, Phil, but the reality is this is this comes back to the government may say one thing: this is a good idea, but reality the people are saying, uh-uh, we're not. This is not. This is not what we want. We want to see the real thing, which is quite ironic when you think, you know, made in China, what, what that meant back in the day. It was, it was, it was a, a pastiche copy of something. Mm. And here they've done a really exact copy and it didn't work in their own backyard. So for me, I guess it's uh, governments don't always have the best ideas. You need entrepreneurs who spot a, a gap in the market and build build something. So maybe this is the government has spotted a gap that wasn't there. Five in the eye. Okay, for story number four this week, uh, we are going to um, look at a very special art exhibition, and this is because it's being curated by um, a five year old. Um, and Michael, you um, guys, I think that a five year old would be. I mean, you're, you're a culture vulture. You're, you're an art expert. Now, the, the snob within you would say that a five-year-old could surely never have the judgment, the wisdom that you bring to the art world. Oh, no, no that, that's an interesting thing you said that Judgment and wisdom. Are those words are that appear in the art world? I guess I, when I first read this story, I thought, nonsense. Move on, nothing going on here. But you encouraged me to have another look at it. And I'm, do you know... There's something about something compelling about it because Picasso used to say it took him a lifetime to paint like a child, to have that innocence that a child has to, to see something in a different way to an old eye does. So you know, lo- looking at a bright, smiling face, you can't help but you know, there's something going on in her head. And if she, you, if that, this is this man- is this is young Astrid Cooper, yeah. um, and the and, and the show is entitled. My kid could have done that, uh, which I, which is a pretty pretty clever title. But, but Phil, if 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 that, that that brightness and happiness is manifested in the the paintings that she chooses, then I'm I'll, I'm I'm happy to have a look and say I have a go. But you know, uh, I'm still a bit skeptical. But I'll be taken up by the fact that I'm relying on her energy. But then you have to think behind these child prodigies, there's a a prodigious parent. Well, yeah, and in this case, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a dad, Mr. Will Cooper, and I would suggest that he seems to be pretty well connected because he's roped in a number of artists who have some kind of standing, and what they're doing is they are co-creating works with children, either their own children or with a young child, and so when Astrid comes to kind of put the exhibition together, she's looking at the work of other children as interpreted with the help of some leading artists. So this could really be quite a thing. Um, we're not just talking about kids' drawings. We're talking about some serious uh, some serious names in the art world, Michael. Uh, the, the cynic in me says, are they creating a market here? 
Are these pieces going to be auctioned off at the end of the exhibition? Mm. Do you think there'll be red spots alongside the no, different I pictures showing that they've the been... red spot? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm, I, no, I, I, I think slouch. I'm tempted. I'm, I'm sure this is more auction territory. You know, you get better yeah. prices. You know, create a market. You know, and, and I think you know, as, as I think about it, this thing could have legs. This thing could have legs. You know, could we take them across Europe? You know, you could, you could, you could have start schools for for, for children because art, I think, is a wonderful thing. The interpretation of art is really, really special. So, I started a bit cynical on this, Phil. So, thank you for kind of pushing me to have a little, a little bit further. So, um, we'll see, we we shall see. I'll, I'll, in the, good I'll luck not to be buying Cooper, any of the I works. Think. I will not be buying any of the works in the short term, but who knows? Five in the eye. But our final story this week. It's about a man who was given permission by his wife, and he states that very clearly. My wife gave me permission to do this, to name his son after his place of work. When I first read that, well, I, I, I was immediately reminded of, um, I've got a, a good friend who named her daughter Florence, after the city of Florence, a wonderful city. Mm-hmm. Or equally, Chelsea, you know, the daughter of Bill, 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 Bill Clinton. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Na- named after the famous London football club. Uh-uh. It was, they, they, it was in the European was, Super League. They had a very, they had a very. Can I just correct you there, Phil? Let's just put, let us put, let it be known that it was not to do with football. It was to do with a very pleasant time they had in Chelsea, in more oh. ways than one. They want to be remembered. But this man, this Indonesian man, and he worked for the Department of Statistical Communications. Oh, <laughs> now I'm going to practice my my uh, Bahasi Indonesian. So forgive me. Here I go. Dinas Komikasi Informatica Statistica. That's the Indonesian for the Department of Statistical Communications. So that's what he called his son. Now his family are a bit skeptical. You know, they don't like it, but he's actually given them a, a, a nickname. His nickname is Dinko. <laughs> so that's, I, I guess that, that, that's going to survive. But this whole idea of naming your son after your place of work. Well, I mean, you'd have to love your work, wouldn't you? I mean, this guy must love statistics. I mean, you, <laughs> if, you, if, if I mean, how many how many of us love our work so much we want to name our kid after it? It dawns on me it's just as well he didn't work for like the local pest control department or the, or the sanitation department or something, because that could have caused a lot of trouble for the child. Having said that, Phil, there's some question of whether or not the authorities have accepted this as a name. Hmm. You know, because it does, it doesn't, it doesn't seem right. Okay, you know, there's different like some like Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. Hmm. You know, he said because he named him Sue because it make him strong and all that. But this, this is the being called Department of Statistical Communications, Nepstat, hmm. Stato, Commie. I mean, what what would happen? What would happen if he followed his father? into the same kind of work. I mean, we could end up with him working in the same department that he's been named after. Well, that would cause all kinds of confusion then, okay, wouldn't it? You'd probably get a lot of mail. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of mail with, 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 with a name like that. I noticed his dad has a nick. His dad, his dad is called Salamat Wahandiyudi. Forgive me, Wahandiyudi. But his nickname is Yoga. Now, they're approachable, understandable names. Rational. Yoga and Dinko. <laughs> Yoga and Dinko. They're very reasonable. And his mum's, one of her names is Linda. You yeah. know, so this is, this, the, the, the heart, there's some sensibleness in there. Mm. But this, um, 
Department of Statistical Communications. Mm, mm -mm. Yeah. Doesn't work for me. I, I don't think I don't think it's going to catch on. I think it'll be the first and maybe the last. Live in the eye. Well, that's it for episode 0302. If you're planning on giving birth in the next week, it's probably best to opt for a normal name, like Michael or Phil, or maybe five in the eye. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed our review of the week's news. We'll be back here to do it all over again next Friday at the same time, so do join us then. For now, this is Phil Woodford wishing you well for the week ahead and saying goodbye. And this is Michael Hujuru saying, as always, if you have been, thanks for listening. The Super League is now officially closed, at least for now. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?